This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com. Uh, called Pursuit of the Truth. And um, I'd just like you to go and expand on Pursuit of the Truth because that seems pretty odd for a marketing company to be talking about stuff like that. Sure, Greg. Well, what what we found in, in our marketing work and one of the motivations in the company was how do we figure out what is going to work best for people? And because there's lots of opinion, particularly around marketing and sales-oriented there's lots of opinion, a lot of things people say. Much of it is either not true or unsubstantiated or unproven. And so our whole deal is just around how do we figure out what actually is true so that we can give good advice and, and be kind of fighting the good fight on client behalf. That's interesting. So really a lot of this involves um, uh, going and... Uh, making friends with these uh, sacred cows in business that are not necessarily relevant anymore. Um, I wanted to just uh, touch on some of those in this conference call. Um, Folks, the objective today is to leave you with a couple of insights that you can take away after this conference call and put to work for you so you can immediately increase your revenue. And we're going to be giving um, a little door prize away at the end. And um, we're, we're going to stay behind uh, at the end of the half an hour to um, just informally answer any questions that people may have. They, while they have us on the phone, you can just fire some questions our way um, informally. So let's first talk about admissions, um, basically taking all this marketing traffic that comes into a, uh, uh, into a school, a cosmetology school, and then turning that traffic into prospects and then students. Now, I have a question. We're going to do a little game show um, for our panel here. Um, And the first question is this. Based on the key performance indicators of talk time and connecting with uh, somebody uh, who sends in an Internet lead, um, what is the best time of the day to reach out and call that prospective student, and what is the best day of the week? So, um, Shane, do you have any insights? Any any guesses on that? Uh, best time time. Well, I'm not sure if I have a guess. I can say most of us operate on a nine to five schedule. So mm-hmm. most of, most schools, their business hours are more or less nine to five, Monday to Friday. So yeah, that that's what I would say too. Typical. Yeah, that's what I would say. Like, if all the schools are in business hours, therefore that must be the best thing to do. Um, Richard, your thoughts? Any indica- any thoughts from you? Yeah, you know, that's it's a really good question. I mean, I, I think, you know, we're used to that 9-to-5 schedule Monday through Friday. Maybe a Saturday here and there. A lot of schools do operate on Saturdays. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably uh, where, they're, where they're hitting, somewhere in that 9-to-5 spot Monday through Friday probably. Yes, Stanya, any thoughts from you? Well, Greg, thanks for asking. Um, My thoughts are that if I was, and I am a mom of two, I am not home nine to five on uh, on during the week and uh, very busy on the Saturday. So my guess would be um, try to catch me um, on a Sunday. Really? I know, radical as it can be. (laughs) 
so you're taking issue with our, the two gentlemen on the call here. That's a very interesting. Well, Stanya, I have to tell you, the, based upon research provided by um, our friends at Velocify, you're right, and those guys are wrong. And uh, yes, Stanya. So in fact, the, the best day of the week to go and uh, and contact a prospective student is in fact Sunday, and on the weekdays, the best time of the day uh, is uh, seven to eight p.m. Not office hours, not dinner time, but seven to eight p.m. is the best time to connect with people. So I guess Shane, my question is, if that in fact is the best. Um, the best time of day and the best day of the week to go and, and and connect with prospective students, you would think admissions reps would have their hours wrapped around those times, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, I think it's more of a leadership issue. Like when you look at the, the, um, the, what the research shows is that Sundays, by a huge margin, is the best day to connect with people. And in the study, they measured it on... Um, number of connections, like uh, per 100 dials, how many people do we connect with? And mon Monday to Saturday was about four. So if you dial 100 people and you get four people on the phone, Sundays it was nine. So it was more than double. Now, the interesting thing, Shane, is that you would think, you know, the question is, oh, people will just hang up. But in fact, the conversations people were having on these Sundays were, like, really long conversations, weren't they? Well, that yeah, that's right. The length of the conversations was also longer, which we took to be a, an indicator of quality. And then the other thing that was found in the study is that the time of day had a big influence, too. So 9 to 5, it was similar, about 4 per 100. But every hour after 5 p.m., it got better and better. We measured up until 8 p.m. The study measured up until 8 p.m. 8 p.m. had virtually a, a twice the contact rate that um, 5 p.m. had. Richard, that's uh, really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, when you think about it from a, just a pure kind of common sense perspective, it makes a lot of sense. By the time Sunday rolls around, I think a lot of people are in a, are in a chatting mood. You know, they're, they're not busy with the day-to-day -day grind of work, and so Sunday comes around and they're willing to talk. It makes a lot of sense. So it's interesting because if you take a typical um, admissions representative within a, a cosmetology or a massage school uh, and, um, say, a tuition um, objective of $15,000, um, you should be able to add in um, about three additional interviews or appointments per week per rep. Stanya, do you have a sense of how that might translate into revenue? Um, if you're talking, so you have, uh, <laughs> let me crunch my numbers here, Greg. Um, let me help you, Stanya. It's about $720,000 per rep per annum. Mm -hmm. So that's, Shane, that's a lot of revenue, isn't it? That is a lot of revenue, my friend. So, sorry, $720,000 per rep. So if you've got three reps, that just that change in time of day like basically working Sunday to Thursday, noon to 8, versus Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, would add, uh, what, $2.1 million if you had three reps? Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Stanya, about 2.1, hey? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, it's a lot of money, Shane. 
Yeah, and that's without someone having to buy advertising. It's just being efficient. It's just We're being the wrong there business. when the people are ready to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's reaching out to your market when they're ready and, and available to listen to you and to speak with you. Ah, what a novel concept. You know, making people work less hard to part with their money. Um, okay, so along those lines, along those lines, um, here's a marketing question for you guys. So every school has a store lead list, and and we always see the leadership in these schools kind of roll their eyes and go, it's a stale lead list, and they're, you know, kind of useless leads and all that kind of thing. So if you get about 300 leads a month, okay, you're and you're converting, you know, 8-10% of those, you're going to have about a stale lead list of, of about 3,300 people. And so... Based on research, on average, what percentage of leads indicate that they would like to still go to go to the school in question? So, you know, you think it's a stale lead list. You think, oh, nobody wants to go to school. That's the logic for me. What I would think, it's a stale lead list. R- Richard, do you agree, or wh- what are your thoughts? It's a good question, Greg. I mean, you know, I can, maybe the conventional wisdom is, uh, you know, it is stale lead, so why bother? But... I think uh, kind of what you're illustrating, you know, in that previous example is you mine it creatively, strategically, and if you increase just maybe, you know, a few percentage uh, points in that steel lead list, you could have some big rewards there. So I'm curious. Yeah, Stanley, what are your thoughts? I'm with Richard on this one. I would be really interested to know what the what money is sitting there. Yeah, so Shane, really, the the number, shockingly, is um, based on our accumulation of stale lead surveys that we have in our research division is over 60% of people still want to go to school with that school. That's crazy, isn't it, Shane? It is, and it's always surprising. Because the, the, we... We find that less than 5% of the time we lose them to competitors, like broadly speaking. Less than 5% of the time we lose them to um, uh, they don't want to do it anymore, like, you know, lost interest, changed my plans. The vast, vast majority of people, 60% plus, are still interested, just they perceive some life situation as, as being a barrier. You know that's it's. You know what's interesting to me is, is that an admissions rep have a have kind of an attention span of two to four weeks from when the lead drops in their lap. They they kind of work that lead from two to four weeks. Um, yet the reality is is that a prospective student their their thought cycle in purchasing education is over a year. Hey, great. So, this is Lex. Oh, Lex, hello. How are you? Yeah, I've, been on, I've been on the whole time. I haven't been able to get online, so I've heard a whole call. And I, I have some insights there, too, if, uh, if you'd like me to share. Certainly. And, by the way, I'm the president of the Art of Admissions, and uh, I help schools enroll more students as well. And one of the things in any sales situation, out of 10 people, there's two people that are called my type no people. Under no circumstances will they do anything. Then there's another two people that I call type P people, they're proactive. When they call a school, for the most part, they pretty much don't. Yeah, they've done their research, going online, called some graduates, so forth. They're going to enroll regardless of a admissions rep. Then you have another six out of ten, which are the 60% of the people that 
they don't know how to go from where they are to where they want to go without the support of an effective admissions person. And that's just another reason why follow-up calls, looking at the longer uh, experience that it takes for a person to make a decision to go to school and lead nurturing campaigns can be so effective for those 60% of the people. So Shane, when you when, uh, along the lines of what Lexus said, he's a, a, a professional admissions trainer. Um, why? Why? I wonder why admissions reps will give up after four weeks when sixty percent of that list of people just need to be nurtured over time. So Shane, I guess my question is: Is that a a, a project for admissions, or is that a marketing project? Well, that's the, the, what we've always come up with is that it just reps don't do it because they get busy. It's just it's overwhelming. You only manage so many relationships at any one time. The human mind has limitations. And so, uh, Greg, you hit it right on the head, and I, Lex, I think you'll agree. Once a lead is, I don't know, past three or four weeks and uncontacted and not in a, a sales process, we view it as a now a marketing challenge. And so that person really is on a marketing list that's designed to keep them engaged, answer questions, uh, keep that person kind of warm until the point that their life circumstance, timing and opportunity meet, and then they re-up as a, uh, a prospect for the admissions team to pursue. So I guess it, from a marketing perspective is uh, these uh, that needs to fire back to marketing in an efficient way. And But it appears if you crunch the numbers, like, if if one can shake another three percent out of that stale lead list, there's an extra half a million dollars a year in revenue available to a school. So a school that's getting three hundred leads a month—that's a small school—and an extra half a million dollars on packing into the balance sheet can really really help things out by just creating a, uh, a um, uh, like a good nurture campaign. I guess really, Richard. Sorry, go ahead, Shane. Well, no, go ahead. it's that, but it's it's also there's implications because we get so focused on generating new leads, right? And there's so much effort, and the, that whole lead generation mechanism has created so much dysfunction in the um, sector over the last ten years, right? We've all been we've all become slaves to you know lead generation, and it sucks. And so we're better at um, uh, nurturing leads and 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 you know, staying with them long enough as they go through their kind of buying journey, right? So it's a big, going back to school is a big deal. It's not an impulse kind of a thing. Then we get less dependent on having to generate all these new leads all the time, and we don't have to, we don't, you know, Lex, we don't burn out our reps having them phone, have to phone, make hundreds of phone calls a day, and it's just life's so much better. So really, uh, Richard, uh, I guess the lesson here is that a stale lead is not necessarily a stale lead. Oh, yeah, Greg. You know, and, and I think you're making a really important point. You know, we, we deal with this all the time with our schools in their internal operations. We have what we call our million-dollar clinic floor. You know, our goal for our schools is they can generate a million dollars in revenue on the clinic floor. And they always kind of say, how does that happen? And the, the simple point I think you're trying to make is the point we try to make, which is, when you're in business every day, you tend to you, you lose sight of uh, goals and the tasks that really need to be done and that are urgent and need to be done, and you kind of feel like you have to work on everything all the time. But I think the lesson you're teaching us is that if you just 
strategically pick the right things to work on, you can have some dramatic impacts, even though you may only be increasing leads by 3%. That has a huge impact over the course of the year, and that, that's a huge lesson. Do the, you've got to work on the right things rather than everything all the time. Yeah, and it, it often is just a tiny little thing. There's a whole trend now, um, what are known as MQLs, Marketing Qualified Leads, where um, up to half, the, the front half of that admissions process that was historically handled by a human being is now handled by um, a prospective student on their own. They're doing their own peer reviews online. They're doing their own research online. They become adept at using research on, on search engines and and it really has created chaos and um, so I think Shane's really hit on an interesting point and that is that marketing qualified leads um, are uns- tend to be unstable and so it's, it's imperative that um, there's leadership and that things like using advertising copy um, like headline copy to clarify and qualify students out the door before they come in, and cr- using ad copy extensively to to go and and help people do their own self qualification is is the way of the future. Um, Shana, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Is uh, you know people starting to self assess and do their own qualification rather than calling a rep to help them? Yeah, well, it's that's I don't know. That's one of the trends we're seeing is that as like it's a it's sort of like what where social media is happening or how social media is manifesting in our sector. Like when we first when it first came out, you know, so hey, we got to get on Facebook and you know, start sending tweets and whatnot. And those things may or may not have marketing value. You know, they've got some marketing value. But what we're really seeing is the impact of social media is on prospects' ability to um, gather their own information. And it's a combination of social media and regulatory changes because the Department of Ed has basically forced our hand to disclose all the things we used to not have to disclose, like price and, and placement rates and all these other things that we could hold back as a hook to generate that lead. So, so, so Lex, we can't do that anymore more there's more kind of consumer empowerment meaning they don't necessarily need us to make a buying decision interesting so lex you're a, an admissions trainer out of admissions you must start to see some some changes in the nature of the leads coming into the schools your clients school oh, yeah yeah there are and and also i mean something that we talked about before is getting rid of lead portals as quick as humanly possible so that you are generating the highest quality leads possible. And, uh, and, and the leads have been changing, and people, there are more and more people that are well-informed now and are comparing schools and so forth. So when you say uh, getting uh, rid of lead portals as uh, quickly as possible, um, th- that's a pretty dynamic statement. Um, you- oh, yes. I mean... Uh, the lowest lead conversion, uh, the lowest leads that come through any school that I work with are coming not from their website, but but these lead portals, the ones that that sell leads multiple times to multiple schools, and they convert maybe one, two percent, many cases, and waste a lot of time. 
And that's something that with all of my clients, I'm asking them to connect with companies like Enrollment Resources specifically to uh, to support the highest quality leads through both the PPC campaigns, through uh, website optimization, and through uh, really effective nurturing campaigns. And I found with my clients that is the most effective approach. Okay, so that leads us to the next question. That's a perfect segue. Um, so most schools now, um, as Shane alluded to earlier, uh, rightly or wrongly, are really um, the school dog is being um, wagged by the internet marketing tail, and um, and so most schools are, are now receiving what we call data post leads or internet leads, and and so there's a. But of course, there's a disconnect because you need to have that human connection at some point in time to begin the admissions process with a um, uh, an admissions rep and a, a prospective student. So, in terms of conversion rates, um, what would be the best response time? So, the options are like a minute, an hour, a day, greater than a day. Um, I'm just curious, uh, Stanley. What do you think? Like, what is what's an acceptable response time? Well, I think that's a, a unfair question to the rest of the group here because I know that uh, I recently did a workshop on this, and so I have the answer right here. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, are there any guesses out there? Because I can, uh, I'm sure Greg can walk you through this. But um, we did a study that was in. Uh, uh, the response rates or the the uh, enrollment rates if you uh, call uh, in less than a minute or if it or, or later, and if you combine that with emails of um, less than a minute. And Interesting. Guess, so you're saying that basically that the response time on an internet lead is has like that, as Shane says, uh, the life of a fruit fly. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I would agree. You know the average response time we did. We we run these little mystery shops um, where we pretend to try to buy education over the internet, and uh, and the average response time, if the best practice is a minute uh, or less, the um, average response time is 1.2 days, with 40% of the admissions reps not responding at all. So. Shane, what what do you think of that? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I'll tell yeah. you, uh, here, well, here's, for, we've been in business 10 years, right? And for nine of those years, at least, I think for the full 10 years, we've been chirping about telephone practices and shopping people and and basically identifying what a horrid job we all do on the phone collectively. And you would think in 10 years we would have got better as a sector, right? Because, you know, it's expensive and it's getting harder and harder to get somebody to phone, to phone, right, your campus. More and more people just want to fill out email or circumvent you altogether. And what we found is that it has not gotten better in the last 10 years, not really. The really big schools have um, put in place some systems to, you know, make immediate calls and to, to kind of profit off best practice, but the vast majority of us have not. And case in point, we did a little tiny mystery shop for what the beauty school who should know better. Now, I'm not going to say who, but you know, someone who's big enough, they should know better. 
out of the uh, out of the the number of calls we made, only uh, twenty per thirty sorry twenty five percent actually were talked to by a real human being. The rest were either lost in voicemail or the receptionist picked up the phone and just sent them to the voicemail, the admissions rep. And of those calls, we had only 25% were even captured as a real lead. So 75% were lost at source or just destroyed. Flushed. Flushed. And it's pathetic because this has been, we've been chirping about this for 10 years, and we're not the only ones. It's so really, it's a leadership question, Richard, isn't it? It's um, a question about leadership. Yeah, I, th- I think it really is, Greg, and, and it shouldn't be too surprising, although, you know, we find it with our schools all the time. You know, when we, we did a recent Internet uh, access service with, survey with all our schools to find out how our students were accessing the Internet and what they kind of expected from Internet access. We found that, uh, you know, more than 10 times a day they access the Internet, more than 10 times a day they access an app, and 100% of our students had smartphones. And I think we all need to realize when they post something online or put something online, they, they get instant responses, and that's just the way they've been raised. And I think we need to realize if we're not fast in our feet, these students are moving on. And, and I think that's a valuable lesson that you just taught us. Um, and along those lines, um, on this talk today, the, um, the first five people that context, uh, contact us by text message will be uh, receiving uh, a free um, mystery shop gift. Uh, before we finish up our talk, we should just mention that. Shane, you want to mention uh, what the first five uh, people who text in are going to win today? Yes, they're going to get a, their, their choice of either a free um, Internet mystery shop, which will help them. We will identify just how quickly or slowly you are um, responding to your Internet leads, or... We'll help you know, we'll help you, uh, we'll do a telephone mystery shop and identify um, how well or poorly you do on handling incoming um, telephone leads. And uh, chances are we're going to find you a bunch of money. So uh, we can't do both, but we'll do one or the other. Each one's worth uh, $2,000, right? Yeah. Okay, so Shane, what's the text, what's the number people can text? First yeah, five people. Text is- Two five zero.